Uh, good morning, church. Psalm 111.9 says this, Holy and awesome is his name. When the angels exalted God, they did not say, Mighty, mighty, mighty. Nor did they say, Faithful, faithful, faithful. Nor did they say, Love, love, love. They said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God's holiness is the crown of all that he is. That was demonstrated when the angels sinned. God immediately cast them out of heaven and prepared a place for them separated from his presence. To be in God's presence, one must be holy. Bow with me as I invoke the presence of God based upon our imputed holiness as believers in Jesus Christ. God our Father, before us is your holy and authoritative word. Also, Lord, lay before us, you are on our hearts. You know exactly, Lord, where we are and what our needs are. You know where we are resistant to you. You know where the secret sins are lurking, hidden in the dark recesses of our hearts. Lord, you know where we need comfort, where we need exhortation or rebuke or instruction or correction or training in righteousness. And so we ask you, please, Lord, send us the Holy Spirit to take the word of Christ, the word of God now before us, and to apply it exactly where we need it, as only you can. For we ask these things in no other name but Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Uh, this morning I'm going to ask you to look with me at the Lord's Supper. And I say the Lord's Supper is probably the most sacred part of our relationship to God. It is clear from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that God judges us in the way that we observe the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the highest expression and the holy exercise of Christian worship. The Lord's Supper looks in three different directions. It is a table of commemoration. In fact, it mentioned three times in that particular chapter in remembrance of me. Looking back over 2,000 years to his death. The Lord's table is also a table of communion. And we will commune with the Lord here this morning, this present day. Today, we will have communion service around the table. For we serve a living Christ. It also is a table of commitment. It looks to the future. That is, he is coming again. So you see, this is a temporary table for the church. Now let me remind you also that God has given to the church two sacraments. 
baptism and communion, the Lord's table. Those sacraments are holy signs and seals for us to see and to understand the gospel more clearly. God's gospel promised to forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone because of Christ, one sacrifice finished on the cross. Now, what I want you to do is, and I'm kind of changing a little bit, and you may not have this, Jared, but I want you to open your Bibles for the time being to John chapter 6, verse 51. And I decided to kind of, I'm going to get to uh, chapter 11, but I want to look at John chapter 6, verse 51, just for a few minutes. Because that song 407, the scripture was John 6.35. So as I looked, I kind of saw something that can kind of help us out here this morning. Now, as I said, there are two sacraments that God has given to the church. And we know that Christian baptism is the means by which a person make a public profession of faith and discipleship. In the water baptism, a person says, without using words, I confess faith in Christ Jesus has cleansed me of my sin. Now, Christian baptism illustrates in a dramatic style the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At the same time, it also illustrates our death to sin and a new life in Christ. That's the symbol of our baptism given to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Baptism, we know, is something done once. But it's a symbol of what has already happened to us prior to being baptized. Now in John 6.51, we have these words. Jesus spoke the following words. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Now understand, Jesus is standing there before them making this observation. Which I give for the life of the world. Now Jesus is in his physical body talking with the Jews and he said, this bread is he. And that he is living bread and that he came down from heaven which is a statement of the deity of Jesus Christ. And he go on to say, if any man eat this bread, he receive eternal life. And then he refers to the bread as his flesh. Now all of this come together to mean that God became flesh incarnate in a human body, enter into the world, and when men appropriate, that's what you do when you eat. You're going to take something and use it for yourself. You're going to appropriate this. So we're going to take this and we're going to appropriate it and we're going to receive eternal life. Now Jesus is speaking in physical terminology, but he has a spiritual message saying, take me, receive me, appropriate me, that I may satisfy your soul as bread satisfies 
the soul of the stomach of a man. Now you got to understand, Jesus made a statement back. He said, blessed are those who hunger after, who hunger after righteousness. Now, you remember back in those days, food and water was not as plentiful as it is today. So those people could relate to what Jesus was saying. So the implication is, as you need food for your physical body, you also need me, the bread of life, for your spiritual soul. This was the implication of Jesus using the term, this bread represent my flesh. Now, Jesus is saying eternal life is a matter of believing that God came in human flesh and that he died a substitutionary, atoning, sacrificial death for our sin. Now, when we were saved, we did that. In a spiritual sense, we said, based upon the observation that Jesus just made in John 6.51, claiming to be his flesh, this bread, when we were saved, we did that. In a spiritual sense, we said, I believe Jesus is God entering to the world in human flesh. I believe Jesus shed his blood as a sacrifice for sin, atoning for the sin of the world, and that you appropriate it. Now, when you share in communion, you take the bread and you take the cup, you are symbolizing outwardly that spiritual appropriation, just like baptism. And outward signs indicate what has happened to you inwardly. That's very, very important that we understand and see what these symbols of baptism and the communion table means and represent and what it is that we are saying and what it is we are proclaiming when we partake of communion. Very, very important. So, communion then becomes a symbol of our salvation act. It becomes what I might say a rededication to our salvation act of believing and receiving Jesus Christ. That's what we are doing and that's what we are saying. Now based upon that introduction, will you please stand with me as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and I'm going to read verses 23 through 30. Uh, this is the almighty word of God. And this is Paul speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to say in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. That's Two very important words for you. And then he's going to say, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord death until he come. Verse 27. Whoever therefore eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. 
let a person examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment on himself. That it that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. Now, I don't want to take those verses out of context, so let me put them in perspective and just digress just for a moment. In verses, you don't have these, but you can look at them in your Bible. In verses 23 to 26, Paul takes us back to the institution, the night on which Jesus was betrayed, and when he took bread, he broke it, gave thanks and said, this is my body which is for you. Now, in verses 27 through 30, now Paul gives a road map to, con- to correct something that is going on in the Corinthian church. And you know and I know the Corinthian church was a problem church for Paul. And he addressing a problem within the Corinthian church, which was a problem of division. And for some particular reason, the Lord's Supper entered into this correction. And that's what I want to look at this morning, those verses. Now, the table of the Lord. It is very, very important to understand, first of all, in verse 28, the table of the Lord is a table of examination. It's very, very important to understand that, first and foremost, the table of the Lord is a table of examination. Because Paul says, let a person examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And Paul not only have said that here, but he have said it in the past, let us examine ourselves to see that we are in the faith. So examination is very, very important, not only coming to the table, but it's important to make sure that we are walking in the faith. That's very, very important. So self-examination. How are we coming to the table? How are we coming, not only to the table, but how are we coming to worship? The Corinthians were in some disarray when it came to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. That was a problem of division within the church. There exists a terrible distortion of the supper at Corinth. The Corinthians was acting in ways that distorted and deformed the simple sacrament of eating the bread and taking of the cup. And as I said, it is a table of self-examination. Now, looking at verses 27, 29, and 30, it goes on to say, Whoever therefore eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. And this is within the Corinthian church. Now, the word unworthy is not talking about whether you and I are worthy to come to the table. 
Jesus Christ make you and I worthy to come to the table as sinners who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But what Paul is saying is, how do we come to the table? What is our motive? What is our attitude when we come to the table? That's the implication of worthy, unworthy. Because we have read that the Corinthians observed the Lord's Supper in an irreverent and unworthy way. Some of them died, some of them were weak, and some of them were sickly. So you really see that coming to the Lord's table is a very sacred moment for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Very, very sacred. It is a very holy moment. We are not to eat and drink unworthily. That is, we are to discern the body of the Lord. We are come, we are to come to communion understanding that even though this is merely bread and merely the fruit of the vine, when we eat and drink, believe in the gospel, we get Jesus Christ by faith. That's the implication and that's the sign of communion. His body and his blood. He come to us and he nourishes us and he strengthens us. This is not an empty ritual that we are doing. But we get to meet with Christ around this table and he is the host who invite us to come. It's his table. He is the host. And he invites us to come. And God says that if we drink of the cup and eat of the bread in an unworthy, irreverent manner, we eat and drink condemnation to ourselves. We are to approach the Lord's table in a reverent, a deeply reverent way. We are to come having looked at our attitude in approaching his holy table. When we look at ourselves and find ourselves sinners, and we find in Jesus our Savior, then the table is for us. For this is my body of the new covenant shed for the remission of sin. Now, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, coming to this table means nothing to you. Also, there is a second thing about this table, and that is, it is a table of remembrance. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says this, This is my body, which is for you. And I place an emphasis upon that when I initially read it. It is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body means let this representation of my body and blood remind you of me. First, the death of Christ is proclaimed. And then by this proclamation, we are reminded of Christ. So some things that we should remember. Remember me. This is remember Jesus being betrayed for you. 
remember Jesus being betrayed for you. Also, remember Jesus giving thanks to God who ordained it all for you. Larry? Remember Jesus breaking the bread just as Jesus willingly gave his own body to be broken for you. For you, Jared. Remember Jesus shedding his blood for you that you might live because Jesus died for you, Doug. Remember Jesus suffering, and I'm talking about as you come to the table, these are things that we should be remembering what Jesus did for us as we approach this table. Remember Jesus suffering to obtain for you all the blessing of the new covenant, Bill, for you. Remember Jesus promising that he would drink this fruit of the vine in the new kingdom for Haven Baptist Church. For us. And that's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. For us. For all of Haven who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He did it for us. Mm, mm, mm. Glory be to God this morning. So, as we come to this table, let the memories of Jesus and all the fullness of his love and his power flood our soul at this table this morning. And I stand here this morning and I say, think of all the events that we remember here and we celebrate at Haven. We celebrate and we remember Resurrection Sunday every Sunday, also known as Easter. We remember Christian. And this morning, the first of the month, Tim just acknowledged and we remember birthdays and anniversaries. And you can go on and on on the things that we remember here, Sunday after Sunday. The only thing that our Lord asks that we remember is his atoning death for us. Think of all the things that Jesus did in the Bible. All the miracles. All the healing he did. The feeding of the 5,000. And the sight given to the blind. And making people's walk. Yet Jesus never said, remember me by those things. But he did say, remember my death. Remember my death. So this morning, when we hold the bread in our hand that represents his body, let us think of his sacrifice, his suffering, his trial, the betrayal, the mockery, the crown of thorns, the nails, you know, you know the story. When you hold the cup in your hand that represents his blood, let us think of his redemption. Let us think of his forgiveness. Let us think of that great salvation that he has wrought into our lives. 
this morning. Jesus says this morning to Haven. Haven, since I suffered for you on the cross, and since I died for you, pouring out my blood, do drink, do eat broken bread in remembrance of me. It is a table of memorial and a table of remembrance. And also I remind you, it is a table of a testimony. Look at verse 26 for me. And it goes on to say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when you proclaim something, if you look up the Greek, it means that you are preaching the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know many of you will say, I can't preach. But when you come to this table today, you are proclaiming. You are preaching to the world. You are preaching to yourself. You are preaching to one another. Praise God that we serve a risen Savior and he is coming again. Mm-hmm. So as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is my body means. By this representation of my broken body, you proclaim my death for sinners until I come. You proclaim the gospel. The bread and the cup proclaim the saving death and resurrection of Christ. You are proclaiming to one another, this Jesus is enough. Take him as you eat the bread and drink the cup. You are saying to non-believers who are in our presence, you are telling to them, trust Jesus. Receive Jesus. Believe on Christ. He will sustain you. Jesus is enough. That's what you are saying to non-believers who are in our presence as well. So you not only... Proclaim it to yourself and one another, but you are witnessing to non-believers as well. So you are preaching hope. You are preaching hope to one another. He's coming soon. Trust him and press on. To the non-believers in our midst, you are saying, hope in Christ, and you will be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there will be, and you will be with us. And you will see him face to face. So you really see, based upon that observation of what we are proclaiming to non-believers, I believe that coming to this table is one of the most evangelistic things that we can do in reaching lost people in our midst. It's a form of evangelism. So there's nothing secretive about the Lord's Supper. It is a public act of worship by the church who gather to worship and praise him. And last but not the least, it is a table of hope and triumph. Verse 26. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Those words are a sounding of a note of victory. Till he comes, till the great day of the kingdom, till it is realized here in this earth, a king visible on an actual throne 
And we the subject and the servant and disciples of our Lord. We will partake in communion in a few minutes. And at the end, Deacon Tim will have us to repeat after him. Those phrases we will repeat will be an affirmation of the hope and the triumph we are looking forward to that great day. What a hope. What a preciousness. What a blessedness. What a future. What a tomorrow that we have. The table of hope and victory. Let us pray. Father, we come now to the table. Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts to that self-examination. May the Spirit of God enlighten us as we need understanding.